Our scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of Luke, from the third chapter, verses 7 through 18. Hear the word of God for us this morning. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then should we do? In reply he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. And whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what should we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusations. And be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the shaft he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. The word of God for us this morning. Good morning, you brood of vipers. I guess we have been doing it all wrong. I guess our welcome cards should really read, Welcome, you brood of vipers. Maybe instead of, How did you hear about our church? Which is what we normally have on there. We really should say, Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? I guess we also need checkboxes under that because, you know, our, our cards always have checkboxes. And I guess we should have one for professions, you know. Are you a tax collector, a soldier, or another type of hedon? Just go ahead and mark it on there. Maybe the card should also have a place where we have an idea of what their expectations of us are. What are you expecting to happen here today? What did you come looking for? And maybe finally a question that says, do you have any more questions in your heart that need to be answered today? Can we answer any of those for you? 
John the Baptist clearly had a way with words, didn't he, you brood of vipers? It's not the kind of welcome that we would expect when coming in to hear a word of good news or to look for a word of encouragement and hope. His emphasis on baptism probably would have thrown some people off as well. The idea that people were coming out into the wilderness to be baptized by him. The fact that he wasn't exactly dressed in the finest clothes or looked like the nicest guy. He was probably pretty unkempt, long beard, simple clothes. Somehow, I don't think John's methods would work as well today as they did back then. It really isn't popular to remind people nowadays that if they continue in their sin, they're going to hell. And that's pretty much what John was saying. He was just basically putting it out there. If you don't repent, if you don't change your ways, if you don't get ready for the coming of the Lord, you're basically done. And it sounds extremely harsh and uncaring when it's actually quite the opposite. John was speaking out of a true desire to bring salvation to the people that he was speaking to. He was saying these words with the hope that they would get people to really consider how they were living, to really think about where they were headed, to really evaluate their lives. He understood that the truth could be harsh. But when was it written that the gospel was easy or that it didn't offend our sensibilities? There are many times when Scripture rubs us the wrong way because it is reminding us of the things in us that need to change, the things in us that might not be right with God and the things in us that must be turned over in order for them to be redeemed. So John was sharing this message, insensitive as it might sound, saying it to anybody who would listen out in the middle of the desert. And the scripture says that tax collectors, soldiers, religious people, everybody was coming out. They wanted to check him out. They wanted to hear his message. And many of them were coming forward for baptism. There's always a danger that some people do things just because other people are doing them. You know, the whole, the cool kids are doing it, so I'm going to do it too. And so before John baptizes these people, before he actually performs a baptism on them, he gives them this warning, you brood of vipers, who warned you to come out here and do this? Who told you to come here and have this baptism? Because let me tell you, if you just come out here and get baptized because everybody else is doing it, if you come out here and go through this ritual of repentance of sins and then go back and continue living as you're living... It isn't going to do you any good. You have to bear fruits worthy 
of your repentance. There has to be a change in you after you come out of that water and you go back to your daily life. You cannot stay the same because when we have an encounter with God and repent of our sins, we are transformed and changed. And what John was saying is you've got to bear fruits. Being fruitful for the Christian is not optional. It's not one of the many things that you could do as a Christian. It's one of the things that is expected of us when we come to Jesus Christ. Jesus put it this way, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That is, that it may be more fruitful and bear more fruit. There's an expectation for us to be fruitful in Christ. Not only that, if you're bearing fruit and you, you're, you're happy because you're bearing fruit, the scripture doesn't say that you're, you're clear and done. It says that if you're bearing fruit, get ready because the Lord is going to prune you even further because he is going to increase your fruitfulness. He's going to add to your fruitfulness. He's not just going to say, you're being fruitful, we'll just leave you there. No, he says, if you're being fruitful, I'm even going to come in and pay you even more detail to pruning you and getting you more fruitful than you currently are. Sometimes we just get comfortable. We think we're bearing fruit, we're good, you know. And we do that whole comparative thing, you know, I'm being more fruitful than my neighbor. He doesn't even go to church. Well, guess what? Each one of us is judged individually. We're not judged based on a comparative scale. And John felt he had to say this because there were clearly some in their crowd that were coming just because everybody else was doing it. There were some there that were just coming because everybody else had come out and they didn't want to be the only one in town that didn't come out to check out John. They didn't want to be the only ones that didn't get baptized by him because everybody else was doing it. And there were some that were just there because they were following the crowd. But they really weren't intent on repenting of their sins. And John tells us that some of those folks that were out there in the crowd were basically claiming that because they had Abraham as an ancestor, because they were part of the chosen people of God, because they were children of God, they basically were fine with God. And there was nothing else for them to do. They were claiming that they were okay. That everything was good. And whenever we get that comfortable in our faith, we're due for a stumble. We're due to fall. And John basically takes that bubble and he bursts it by saying, look, if you're not being fruitful for God, if you're not being fruitful in your faith and living the faith that you say you have, God will replace you with a rock. He's going to raise children for himself from these very rocks right here. And I don't know about you, but I don't want a rock taking my place. I don't want a rock taking my place. That's got to be like one of the worst insults that he could hurl at the people there, that a rock would take their place as the children and the people chosen by God. And he says, just because you're descendants of Abraham, 
Don't think that God can't do this because he can raise children even from these rocks. And you know, nowadays, we don't have people going around a lot of times claiming, hey, I'm a descendant of Abraham, so I got it all made. That's not what we hear today, right? What do we hear sometimes? What I was telling the children, you know what? I might not go to church all the time, but my grandmother is a saint. I know I'm going to go to heaven on her coattails. Or we hear, you know what, I never go to church, or my spouse does, so they got the whole family covered. We're all good. We hear things like, you know, I, I did get baptized when I was a teen, so I'm good for the rest of my life. And we forget about fruitfulness and the call to not just become Christian, but to be Christian in everything that we do and say. Well, when the people heard this, they began to panic. I don't want a rock taking my place. I don't want to be one of those that is cut off. I much less want a Gentile to take my place. What can we do? They asked John, what should we do? And I think that's an important question because I don't think we ask it enough. When we are wondering about our fruitfulness in the kingdom of God, we have to stop and ask God, what should I do? Because we always have ideas of what we should do. But why not check him with the one who knows what we should do? Why not ask him to tell us instead of us trying to guess at it? And you know, seeing John in the wilderness doing all this and being a Jew... You would have expected John to go and say, you know what, you all are sinners, you all are brood of vipers, go, go do some sacrificing at the temple, go repent of your sin before the priest, go to all of the services there, perform all the rituals of cleansing and purification. You know, that would make sense to us. That's not what he tells them. He gives them practical advice related to their everyday life. He says, if one of you has two coats and one has none, give him one of your coats. If you have food and somebody doesn't have food, share what you have. It's really simple advice, isn't it? And at the bottom of, of this advice is the idea that we are to be a blessing to those around us, that we are blessed for the purpose of being a blessing to others. And so part of being a fruitful Christian is understanding that everything we have received is a gift from God for us to be a blessing to others around us. Now that includes our family and our friends, but it goes further than that. It extends to those that don't have, that might have no relationship to you. It extends to those you might never meet. It extends to those who will never be able to repay your kindness. When we packed the Operation Christmas Child's boxes, we did so in faith that God would use them to bless children in other parts of the world. Children that we will most likely never meet, 
But we did so because we believe in this idea of fruitfulness and of sharing and being a blessing to the nations. So as he gives this advice, the scripture tells us that even the tax collectors came out to get baptized. Whenever you say even, it's not a positive. When you say even Uncle Larry made the Christmas dinner, it's not a positive. Usually it means something quite the opposite. And he said, even the tax collectors came out to be baptized. And they said to him, hey, we're tax collectors. What can we do? What can we do? And again, he doesn't say, go do sacrifices, go do rituals. He says, whenever you collect your tax, collect only that which is required. The amount prescribed, don't add the meat tax to it. Don't add the extra tax to it to put in your pocket. In other words, don't take advantage of your position when you perform your duties. And then the scripture says soldiers came and said, what can we do? And you can imagine soldiers, their job required violence, power, authority, strength. Their job was not an easy one. And they say, how can we be fruitful when we're soldiers. And John says, don't use your position to extort money by false threats and accusations. Don't plant evidence. Don't use your power to oppress anybody. Treat people fairly and don't exploit them. Now we can see how this advice can apply to anyone because the reality is that whether you realize it or not, you have power and you have influence over people around you. You have power and influence over family or friends. You have people that actually look up to you, believe it or not. People that watch you to see what you do and how you behave and how you love and how you deal with adversity. You have people watching you right now to see if you truly are going to do what you say you do. And John was basically saying, that is the place. That is the place where fruitfulness is shown. In the way you live out your faith and you actually do what you say you're going to do. So as people are hearing this, they're getting excited because let me tell you something. When people hear that there's hope and there's salvation for them, they get excited. When people hear that they're going to be able to escape the wrath to come, they get excited. When people realize that there is forgiveness for their sins and they realize all of the mistakes they have done, they get excited because it's good news. People were getting excited about all this, and they began to wonder if John was the one, the Messiah that was coming. They began to wonder if, if he truly was the one that would come to deliver Israel because he spoke with authority and with wisdom, and he talked to them plain. But John cleared that one up very quickly. He said, I am not the one. The one who is more powerful than I is coming. 
And I'm baptizing you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Holy Spirit and fire. More powerful than I. And remember, people were coming out because they felt that John had clearly a presence of God with an authority from God to do his ministry. And he's saying, one greater than I is coming. I'm not even worthy of untying the thong on his sandals. But get ready, he says. Because the one that's coming will come with a winnowing fork. To gather the wheat into the granary and burn the shaft. He comes to judge and to save. He comes to discern those who are bearing fruit from those who aren't. He comes to separate the ones that give lip service to their faith to the ones who are actually living their faith. We have always heard the phrase, actions speak louder than words. But John is going further. He doesn't just say that actions speak louder than words. He's saying actions need to match our words. Actions need to match what we say we believe in Jesus Christ. And if we believe that God, through Jesus Christ, has provided us with everything that we need and has called us then to be a blessing to the world, then our lives must reflect that every single day. And Christmas is such a special time to show that, isn't it? Many of us have given gifts for the toy drive or prepared the Operation Christmas Child Boxes. Or we've given to Toys for Tots or the Fish Christmas Kids Drive. Or we've done something to help somebody around us that needed to be blessed during this Christmas season. Why did we do it? We did it because Jesus loved us first. Because Jesus gave us everything first. And out of a great sense of thanksgiving... We seek to be fruitful in the kingdom of God. So you might not want to call your friends a brood of vipers, but you do want them to know how to flee the wrath to come. You do want them to know that there is hope and salvation for them. And you want to tell them that it's good news that Jesus is coming back to judge the world. Because those who love him will be redeemed from this life. Praise be to God for his gift in Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you, O Lord, because you do call us, O Lord, to be fruitful in our lives, in our ministries, with our family, with our church, with everything that we do. We ask, O Lord, that our fruit will be worthy of our repentance that it'll be worthy of what you have called us to do in our lives, to reach others with the good news of Jesus Christ. And on this day, O oh Lord, if there's any sin that we have not repented of, we ask, O oh Lord, that you will receive us at your altar as we confess it and present it to you, that it might be washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. And O oh Lord, as we leave this place today, 
we will leave as those who go out to bear much fruit for the kingdom of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.